You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We'll spend the next hour talking about land surveying uh, and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at AmericasWebRadio.com. You can find out more about me on my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com, all spelled out. Check out our resources tab for some free downloads of interesting information. All right. Uh, all right. This morning, uh, well, as, uh, as usual, I'm not your attorney, and I'm not here giving you legal advice. I'm here to give information out that you may want to use in your uh, in your own practice as a land surveyor, or that you may want to use as a uh, as a landowner who's uh, looking into surveying situations. Which I, I run into that a lot. I get emails from uh, landowners who are having problems or weren't having a problem until the surveyor showed up, and then they're having problems. So. Uh, we'll put it that way. Uh, okay, uh, I wasn't with you last week. Uh, sorry about that. There were some things happening here that were out of my control. Um, so, and they they kind of happened on Monday morning. So, uh, but anyway, we're here this week. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been moving through this uh, program I call a, a new practice model, and uh, we started out by talking about some of the problems in the profession, and then we got to some um, some issues of retracement, and uh, we want to we want to get ourselves to talking about some solutions. Uh, last time I was with you, which was uh, Monday before last, we had uh, we had stopped on this issue of the first surveyor concept, and I, I kind of was running out of program time, and I kind of got rushed on that, and I, I really should use this first surveyor concept as a program all on its own, because it's it's an important issue. It's an issue that um, is a problem in the land surveying profession, uh, and we'll get back to that in a minute, but just to kind of get caught up here, uh, what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks is the current practice model. Um, and uh, just to just to recap briefly, uh, surveyors are expert measurement measurers. It's all about expert measurement. Uh, stake the client's deed as precisely as possible and leave any problems to uh, other presumably more well-qualified professionals such as the attorneys, uh, so on and so forth. Turn a blind eye to property rights. Yeah, it's not about property rights. Uh, Property rights was a bad word uh, when I was, uh, quote-unquote, I guess, growing up in the land surveying profession as a young uh, plebe surveyor and then as an early um, uh, early in my licensing career. Um, property rights were an anathema. We, we couldn't talk about property rights. We don't deal with property rights. We, 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 that, that's, that's an issue for the attorneys, and that's just so uh, untrue uh, it's almost uh, it's almost um, well it's it, it, it's it's I don't want to say disgusting but um, it that that idea that surveyors don't have anything to do with property rights is so misguided and so incorrect that that's actually you know a very 
big source of the problem in the land surveying uh, of the problems in the land surveying profession. Um, the current practice model: we ignore oral evidence. Nobody wants to talk to those locals uh, when you're out there surveying. They're more trouble than they're worth. But the fact of the matter is, uh, in many many cases, uh, maybe. I'm not going to say 50%, but in many, many of the cases that I research, write about, talk about, present at uh, seminars, the actual the actual resolution of the boundary problem comes from oral evidence, comes from um, testimony of locals who have uh, have knowledge of the long-held or historic boundaries in the community. So it's just it's actually essential. Uh, evidence, uh, especially when there's a problem, especially when things aren't working out, especially when there are ambiguities. Um, not 95 to 98 percent of the time, when I go to the field, there there are no problems. Okay, there's a, there's a status quo, and that's what this new practice model is all built on: the status quo, maintaining the status quo. And we'll get to that in a little bit. There is a status quo, generally speaking. Um, the vast majority of times. There are problems. You get called because there are problems. Um, but um, the, the vast majority of times there's a status quo. But when when there isn't a status quo or when there's a problem or when there's confusion or when there's um, uh, ambiguity uh, in, the, in the deeds, uh, either a patent ambiguity in the, face, in, in the face of the deeds that you have in front of you that you've done your research on, or a latent ambiguity that's found in the field, and that happens at the center of a section a lot. It's uh, the, the deed is the southwest quarter of the northeast quarter, any given section, township, and range, which implicates the center of that section, also known as the center quarter corner. Um, the, the deed's completely unambiguous, but when you go to the field, there's multi, there are multiple monuments in the ground, all ostensibly representing one corner in legal contemplation. That's what's called a latent ambiguity. So when there, uh, when there are ambiguities, when there's confusion, when there's doubt, when there's a dispute, uh, the deeds overlap. Um, when you look at your, your client's deed and the adjoiner's deed and you, and you plot them out, all things being equal, they ostensibly overlap. Uh, but that's that's confusion. That's amb- that's ambiguity. That's uh, that's um, um, a conflict. So when those conflicts arise, when those conflicts arise, that's the time to go out uh, as the sur- as a surveyor. Even if you're if you're a desk jockey surveyor, just sending your crews out into the field uh, to get the work done, bring it back in. I'll check. You know, we'll we'll plot it up and then I'll check sign check it sign and seal the survey and we'll send it out the door there is a time to pause there is a time to take a breath there is a time to stop look and listen and that's when there are conflicts uh, in in the evidence conflict either uh, in the in the uh, title documents or conflicts uh, on the ground or conflicts between the people uh, between the neighbors, that's a stop, look, and listen moment, that, and that's when you, you as the, the land surveyor, uh, doing proper retracement uh, work, which retra- retracement surveying is an evidentiary exercise. It's not a measurement task. 
it's an evidentiary exercise. It's not a measurement task. An original survey is a measurement task. Math and measurement, precisely as possible. Put the title documents on the ground. You're, you're, you're laying out brand new lines for a very first time. There are no property rights uh, on these lines until there's a, a until there's a conveyance out of the common grantor. Then the property rights attach to the lines, and that's what creates this this uh, original surveyor retracement survey surveyor um, scenario. Um, but um, um, uh, retracement surveying is is an evidentiary uh, exercise, gathering and evaluating the best available evidence that the reasonably standard of care, the reasonably prudent practitioner, practitioner would gather and evaluate in like or similar circumstances, weighing that evidence, weighing that evidence, and then rendering a well-reasoned opinion on the only question the surveyor has, and that is the factual question of location. And when that's done and properly done, then the surveyor has done nothing less than identify the limits of ownership, where the property rights attach, where the property rights are attached, if it's done correctly. And uh, oral evidence is just, um, like I said, I, I don't know if it's 50% of the time, but it's it's close. Uh, there's always this, this guy or gal who I refer to as old-timer. It seems like there's always an old-timer in the case who comes in and testifies about where the lines have always been. Uh, and that's what wins the day. That's what wins the day. Why does that win the day, generally speaking? Why does old-timer coming in and testifying as to the location of, uh, of the historic boundary lines, why does that win the day? That wins the day because the judge, especially a judge sitting without a jury, the judge, the judge doesn't want to upset the apple cart. The judge wants to, the judge is looking to maintain the status quo. And that's generally what happens in these court decisions. It's generally a, a matter of common sense and maintaining the status quo, which is basically the foundational principle that I have here in this program on, um, on a new practice model, maintaining the status quo. That's the, that's the equitable foundational principle uh, when, when we get to that part of the program where we're talking about uh, a new practice model, uh, a new way to practice uh, retracement surveying. So oral evidence is just uh, terribly important. It's not, it's not always needed. If you're maintaining the status quo uh, as uh, the retracing survey, you might, you might not need uh, the oral evidence of old-timer. But uh, if there's a conflict, if there's... Um, if there's ambiguity, if there's confusion, if there's um, uh, more than one possible location of the property lines, given given the evidence that's been gathered and evaluated, uh, that could be the determining factor, and often is. It's the oral testimony of of uh, these these people, these landowners, these locals who know where the property lines uh, have been, uh, always have been, and. Uh, generally speaking, always will be, despite the efforts of the surveyor to upset the apple cart. All right, and practice as a belief system, uh, we discussed that. It's, it's A lot of the things that surveyors do, 
they 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 couldn't back it up if they were if they were required to do so. Um, uh, what was it? Weber versus Kroger. Surveyor came in. The surveyor upset the apple cart. The surveyor came in and put a new line on the ground where it never had ever had been before and couldn't explain why. And that, that's not just that's not an anomaly. This happens a lot. Butler versus Coyle. Uh, Dowdell versus Cotham. Um, uh, Dillahay versus Gibbs. Surveyor can't explain why or they, they know what they did. They just don't know why they did it. And that's because uh, they don't have any, uh, they don't have any, um, uh, uh, you know, any justification. They they can't they can't name the justification for what they did. Breaking the section down. What's the justification for that? The BLM manual tells me I'm supposed to do that. No, the BLM manual doesn't tell you you're supposed to do that. It says, actually says quite the opposite. Uh, we got a shortage in the block. We got to prorate out the shortage all the way through the block and, and move people's property lines. No, no, that's you just think you're supposed to do that. Show me where that's written that you're supposed to do that. It's not written anywhere. That's that's a belief system. It's mythology, and we can't find problems. We can only solve them. Leave the problems to the real professionals, the attorneys, the judges, etc. And we've turned surveying into a commodity, not a professional service. Now, I don't have the video here today. Uh, my computer's been doing a, uh, a reboot now, an update for the last 45 minutes to an hour, so I, I can't see David, but I'm, a, I'm assuming we've got a break coming up. Are you out there, David? I am here. Okay. We, are we ready to take a break? We're ready to take a break. And, uh, All right. We'll start it off. We'll be back with you in just a minute, Jeff. Okay? And, folks, uh, I want to remind you that uh, it may not feel like it today, but spring is just around the corner, and it's a great time to order your quick stakes and your markers. Be sure you have plenty of them as we kick off the new spring, 2021 spring. That's uh, Order Your Quick Stakes. We'll be back right after a couple of words. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And a quick reminder that this Friday, January the 15th, we're going to have Rocky Blyer on along with Lee Greenwood. So tune in at 10 o'clock on this Friday, and we'll be giving you more details as we get them. But uh, it is this Friday, January the 15th. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use easy to find and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, 
get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio, and I'm Jeff Lucas. I'm your host. All right. We're going to move ahead here. Um, last time we were on, uh, I was on live two weeks ago. Uh, I got into this first surveyor concept, which, again, is it's pure surveyor mythology. Um, what is the first surveyor? We got a little bit beyond this, but uh, after... Uh, kind of got rushed uh, trying to trying to wrap things up in the last 30 seconds. I, I, I decided then that uh, next time I'm on the program, I'm going to go back and give this first surveyor concept a, a good shaking out. Uh, what is the first surveyor concept? Well, we've talked about it on many occasions on this program. Um, there are two fundamental roles of the land surveyor. The land surveyor is either an original surveyor laying out brand new lines where they've never existed before for a common grantor, and that's a measurement and math task. The, the object of an original survey is to, as precisely as possible, put the geometry from the plat, the geometry from the deed, put the, the title lines on the ground as precisely as possible. And in that role, you're not retracing anything. The, the perimeter boundary of a subdivision ostensibly has already been done. Now you're in the interior, and you're putting in lines where they've never been before. That's the original surveyor role. The only other role in American jurisprudence uh, uh, for the surveyor is a, as a retracement surveyor, and that is finding where the lines have already become established on the ground. You're not doing this for a common grantor. There are property rights on each side of that line. The line has been established. Here, here's a question <clears throat> I ask surveyors all the time. Has every boundary line in any given state, we'll just say the state of Georgia, has every boundary line in the state of Georgia been surveyed? Has it been support, Is it supported by surveying activity? And the answer, the obvious answer is no. Every boundary line, every property boundary line in the state of Georgia has not been uh, survey necessarily has not uh, there's there's no requirement that it should be and uh, it's just uh, the, the the reasonable inference to be drawn is that they they haven't they they all have not been surveyed okay so now the follow-up question is well has every property boundary line in the state of Georgia become established on the ground and the answer to that question is yes and the reason we know that the answer to that question is yes because take any boundary dispute case, with or without surveying evidence, with or without surveying uh, uh, activity having taken place to put those lines on the ground, any boundary dispute, completely unsurveyed lines, maybe not completely unsurveyed, maybe the landowners themselves laid out the boundaries. This happens a lot. It used to happen a lot back in, you know, 100 years ago. It happened a whole lot because there weren't a whole lot of surveyors around. People, it was self-help. So there, there was, without any surveying activity uh, or uh, the lines being supported by um, surveying activity, take any boundary dispute case to court where there's 
two possibilities of about of where the boundary line has become established on the ground. But that's usually the, that's the typical situation in a boundary dispute. We're going to have two competing lines. You take those two competing lines into court. How many lines are you going to come out with? You're going to come out with one. Uh, you will not get an adjudication that both lines exist. Unless for some reason there there is some kind of gap, uh, somebody else owns the, the, the property in between, it won't be in an in an overlap situation. There will, you will come out with one line. If there's two possible lines, you'll come out with one line. That's that's what you go to court for to get an adjudication. The court isn't just going to re- throw its hands up and say, "Well, I can't make a, a determination," and the court can't actually do the, the Solomon let's split the baby. Not unless the people want to split the baby. And the simple reason for that is the court, generally speaking, and I'm just talking about the, the trial judge sitting uh, as both judge and jury. Without a jury, you can have a jury, uh, same kind of results. So the, the jury's going to be charged with the factual location, uh, the factual question of where's the property boundary line uh, located. The judge will tell the jury what the law is, and then the jury has to make the factual determination. It's called the trier of the fact. So let's just assume we've got a judge without a jury. The judge wears both the legal hat and the and the factual hat. The legal hat, and the, the judge determines what the what the law is, and the judge determines the fact of location. Okay. So uh, you go into court. Um, you, this is how we know that every boundary line in the state of Georgia, every property boundary line in the state of Georgia, in the state of Alabama, state of Florida, state of Washington state, has already become established on the ground because you can take any dispute with or without surveying evidence. You can take any boundary dispute to court and you will come out with one line. Why? Because law and equity... Oh, my computer just kicked on Law and equity will determine, have already determined where those boundary lines are located on the ground. Have already determined that. Now, why can't the judge do the Solomon Act and just uh, split the baby? Because then the judge would be ruling on evidence that wasn't presented at trial. Can't do that. Now, could the judge bring the parties aside and say, okay, look, let's just, let's just figure this thing out. Let's sort of do. This has happened before, and you know, I'm like the judge says, "All right, all right, all right. Why, why go tall? Let's let's we're going to mediate this thing right here and now." Actually, I had the judge, you know, wanted to mediate the thing between the parties, and, and we ended up doing that. Um, um, but the, or the parties themselves can uh, come to a settlement, and they can split the baby if they want to. Usually, they don't. By this time, if you're in court, everybody's so. Um, mad at each other. Everybody's so angry. There's so much hate and divisiveness that ah, it kind of sounds like our political system. But anyway, um, that no, nobody can come to an agreement on anything. So there's going to be an adjudication. Uh, so um, the role, so this first surveyor concept, what's that all about? Well, um, surveyors who uh, I refer to as, as deed stakers, a deed staker being uh, uh, that's that's um, actually in the final analysis you're, you're supposed to follow the deed. Okay, so that this is just a, a term, uh, a colloquialism for describing a surveyor who is uh, 
has no intention, is not a first, or is not the original surveyor, because uh, this surveyor is retracing property lines, um, but uh, doesn't want to do the hard work of retracement and simply wants to stake, you know, stake out the geometry in the deed or from the plat or whatever. Um, so they, they had to, they had, the surveyors had to come up with cover for this. Okay, that's not an original survey. There's no common grant door. And staking the deed, we're, we're putting new corners in the ground, new new pins in the ground in places where they've never existed before. That's not a retracement. We need to cut. We need cover for this. We need cover for this. So uh, the the surveyors um, created this first surveyor concept. And despite uh, so, what's the first surveyor concept? Well, you're 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 either an original surveyor or you're a retracing surveyor or you're a first surveyor. And a first surveyor is simply the first surveyor to go out into the field. And this usually happens in the sectionalized uh, section township and range in the sectionalized or public land survey system. And, and it has to do with. Uh, with uh, subdividing the sections, as we know, the uh, the general land office, uh, generally speaking, uh, only set the exterior corners of a section, the section corners, and the quarter section corners on the north, south, east, and west lines, uh, half mile apart, um, on line, and uh, at the midpoint between uh, the two opposing section corners. But there there are sixteen lots contemplated in, uh, as the subdivision, contemplated by the federal government in the standard section, there's 16 lots, 16 quarter quarters, or the nominal 40-acre track. Um, and that leaves 25 actual corners that needed to be set. They only set eight. So how were the other 17 to be set? And the federal government um, had a plan for that, how they would be set. But uh, especially at the center quarter, this first this is where the first surveyor concept came from. The first surveyor to actually attempt to go set that center quarter, which would divide the uh, would complete the division of the section into four quarters by setting that center corner. Then uh, ostensibly there would be corners at all. There would be pins, monuments, at all four corners of each quarter of the section. The surveyor, the first surveyor to go out there and attempt to do that is merely a first surveyor. And here's the check, or here's the test. If that first surveyor is either uh, followed proper procedure, in other words, ran straight lines between the opposing quarter section corners to set that center quarter, followed proper procedure, or is close enough and sometimes even if they're close enough, if they didn't follow proper procedure, this first surveyor is a bum. This first surveyor uh, can be thrown out uh, because um, did not follow proper procedure. And here it is. It's from evidence and procedures. When it came into evidence and procedures, I don't know for sure, but I'm reading from the fifth edition. When a parcel or parcels are created on paper without a survey being conducted, and the surveyor is later requested to place one of these paper-described parcels on the ground, this surveyor should be considered the first survey in that it is the first survey to be placed on the ground after the description. The difference is that whereas the original survey controls, the first surveyor is nothing more than an opinion of the 
by the surveyor of where the written description should be placed. And as such, it is always open to collateral attack. We're going we're gonna to get back to this uh, always open to collateral attack. Um, I think we have a break coming up here. And I'm signing on to my computer, so maybe I can uh, see the studio here after the break. Are, are you out okay. there, David? I'm ready to go. We'll take a break, All and right. we'll be back. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And before that, we want to remind everybody that Rocky Blyer and Lee Greenwood will be on America's Web Radio at 10 o'clock this coming Friday. That's Friday, January the 15th, tune in at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time for an exclusive interview with Rocky Blyer and Lee Greenwood. God bless the USA, and absolutely we need it today. So you all tune in, and don't forget to go ahead and order those quick steaks today. Spring, believe it or not, is right around the corner, and you're going to need them for a lot of business that's coming your way. With that being said, let's get back to the computer is still down. Jeff Lucas over there in Alabama. We'll be back with more right now. Let's go to uh, Jeff, and it's yours. All right, David, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to log in here, David. I, I don't know what's going on. So anyway, uh, we'll just have to... Uh, we only have two more. We only have one more break, so uh, we'll we'll suffer through. All right. Um. Okay. This first surveyor concept. So, uh, and obviously, uh, evidence and procedures is uh, Walt Ropelard, Don Wilson, and Curtis Brown. Um. This wasn't. Uh, this wasn't in uh, evidence and procedures when Brown first did the book. I don't know uh, when it came into play, but I know the case that it's based on. The case that it's based on is um, Rivers versus Lazio, uh, Florida Court of Appeals case, 1989. So uh, uh, this this concept uh, came on um, uh, and got into evidence and procedure sometime after 1989, or probably the, the mid 1990s, whenever they did the next revision. Um, 
So, um, and the, the reason this uh, this concept of uh, first surveyor has caught on with surveyors is because it provides cover. It provides cover for throwing out uh, existing monumentation, even though the landowners have uh, glommed onto that existing monumentation. The only the only reason an original surveyor is honored as an original surveyor. Uh, the only reason that original monuments have the status that they do has really nothing to do with the surveyor. It has really nothing to do with the surveyor. When, when, when is a piece of steel just a piece of steel, and when is it a monument? When is a chunk of concrete just a chunk of concrete, and when is it a monument? Uh, the surveyor's status as original surveyor being honored as an original surveyor and those monuments being in essence, sacrosanct, those monuments being uh, uh, emblematic of the location of the property rights is because of what the people do. The most important pe- uh, the most Im- important um, uh, characters, the most important actors in the whole play, the most important actors in the whole play are the landowners. It's, it's all about the landowners. Uh, you, you you can't be if if you're an original surveyor you go out and you subdivide the the whole the the whole subdivision you put all the monuments in the ground uh, and the people move in and they glom onto those monuments they go into reliance on those monuments then their property rights attached to those monuments and the lines that you would draw between those monuments their property rights attached that's what makes an original surveyor an original surveyor. It's when the pro and those monuments sacrosanct, those monuments infallible, and that is when the people glom onto them, their property rights attached to those lines between those monuments and the monuments themselves. That's when the monuments, that's when a piece of steel becomes a monument. That's when a chunk of concrete becomes a monument, a boundary monument, a property boundary monument. Um, it, it has almost nothing to do with the surveyor. As a matter of fact, um, an extreme example, surveyor goes out there and does a subdivision plan. The developer asks the surveyor to put the, the monuments on the ground to, to subdivide all the lots, put the lot lines on the ground. Surveyor goes out and does that. Uh, the, the developer figures uh, finds out that uh, some elevations were wrong. The, the surveyor was about four feet off on his elevations when it, they were developing the subdivision. So he, hi- he fires that surveyor because now he uh, the developer has to bring in four feet of fill in order to sell these lots to get them out of the floodplain. Okay, Brings in four feet of fill, hires a new surveyor to come out there and resubdivide the lots. The new surveyor comes out there and, and puts monuments in the ground for all of the lot corners. Four feet down are the original monuments set by the original subdividing surveyor. Up on the surface are replacement monuments. Everybody moves in. All the lots are sold, people move in, they glom on to this second set of monuments. Which surveyor was the original surveyor. Which irons became monuments? Which iron pins became monuments? Which rebars became rebar became monuments? The ones on the surface or the ones four feet below? The ones on the surface, of course. It has everything to do with the people, not the surveyor. 
the whole idea of the first surveyor concept is narcissistic at, at its basis. It's all about the surveyor. If the surveyor didn't do right, if the surveyor didn't follow proper procedure, if the surveyor didn't get close enough, then he's a bum and he needs to be kicked out. And we need to reset uh, that center quarter, maybe uh, Dykes versus Arnold, 70 feet to the northwest. Because that first surveyor back in 1899, Derek, stubbed in the center quarter. He's a bum. He needs to be. Who is this ignoring? This is completely ignoring the most important players in the in the in the, in the play, the most important actors in the play, the people. Derek Center is the true center because the people adopted it, relied on it, and their property rights attached to it. This is a completely narcissistic, narcissistic uh, based concept that it's all about the surveyor. It is the surveyor in this in these situations, in both situations, original survey and retracement survey, the surveyor is merely a tool. The most important actors in the play are the landowners. So there's your there's your uh, first surveyor concept. Uh, as such, the difference is, whereas the original survey controls, the first survey is nothing more than an opinion by the surveyor of where the written description should be placed on the ground. Why is it that we don't, why is it that even Ropelard and others uh, who write these, these, this, this nonsense, um, why is it that they, they still will say, they still will say the retracement surveyor uh, is to uh, find is to uh, follow in the footsteps of the original surveyor, not to correct them. We're going to correct this first surveyor if if he blew it. But why they did, did they say uh, we the retracement? You follow in the footsteps. That's even that's an evidence of procedure. You follow in the footsteps. You don't correct them. Why don't you correct the footsteps of the original surveyor? Because the presumption under the law is that the landowners glommed on to those monuments set by the original surveyor, even though maybe there were flaws and blunders because the property rights attached. That's why an original surveyor is considered to be infallible, and those original monuments are considered to be infallible. Short of fraud, short of fraud, even if the original surveyor made a mistake, that surveyor is to be honored. Why? Because of the property rights of the people. Because of the property rights of the people. Well, what about this first surveyor? He went out there. In 1899, he stubbed in the center quarter. Everybody's happy. Everybody glommed onto it. What about him? He's a bum. And his survey results are always open to collateral attack. So, so what do you think the results of that are? Well, now I just go deed state. I don't need to do the hard work of retracement surveying. All I need to, to be a deed staker, all you need is a starting point and an asthma. 
and some geometry uh, that, that gives you a connection to the property you are, quote-unquote, ostensibly surveying when you're really not. You're, you're doing something else. You're doing you're doing something else. You're when you're when you're deed staking. You're doing you're 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 following this first surveyor concept, or you have no concept whatsoever to follow. You just it's just pure basic. I'm just supposed to go stake the deed. I have no supporting documentation. I can't justify what I'm doing. I go into court. I don't know why I did it. The computer made me do, do it. Dell versus Cawthon. The computer made me do it, but reverse coil. I don't even know why I did it. Weber versus Kroger. Okay, real quickly, uh, I've talked about the typical section, 16 lots. <coughs> um, the center quarter was, was, was never set. <coughs> and how was that center quarter supposed to be set? center quarter was supposed to be set let me see what I have yeah okay the center quarter was supposed to be set by running the straight lines between the opposing quarter section corners the federal government didn't do that though the federal government didn't do, all those are protracted lot lines I'm looking at a typical section now it's a square one mile square it's got uh, four quarters and it's got 16 quarter quarters they only set the uh, section the government general land office only set the section corners and the quarter section corners. The center quarter wasn't set. It was, as we say, protracted on a map. Lines were merely run. Nobody ran to the center. The general land office surveyors did not run to the center. So what did they expect to happen? The developer has a a block of uh, 16 lots and only sets the exterior block corners, not even all of them. What does the original developer, what does what common sense tell you that the original developer intended to happen in order for people to go in and enjoy their property in a protracted subdivision? What did the, what did the developer anticipate or expect or um, what was the, uh, the developer's intent relative to those interior section of lot corners? What does common sense tell you? All right, well, here's the ruling in Rivers versus Lazio. The quarter-quarter section corners are placed on a line connecting the section and the quarter section corners at midway between them. Listen to what the judge said in Rivers versus Lazio, Florida Court of Appeals, 1989. Although theoretically conceived and invisible, these are theoretical lines drawn on a map, these lines are not merely theoretical concepts, but are real lines actually run and marked on the ground. With terminal points monumented by surveyors acting under the authority of the cadastral engineer of the Bureau of Land Management. Let me read that again. Although theoretically conceived and invisible, these lines are not merely, merely theoretical concepts, but they're real lines actually run on the ground. Run and marked on the I wish I could do that. I wish I could draw a line on a map and that actually is a line run and marked on the ground. How easy would surveying be? I want to know what this guy was smoking. How in the world can you draw a line on a map and it be an actual run and marked on the ground line? Right. 
Is it, uh, yeah, we're ready for a break. So uh, we'll come back right after this break. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your bike-friendly stake. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. And today's a good time to order your supply for this spring. It's going to be a busy, busy spring from what I understand. You're going to need lots of markers and also your quick stakes. So give them a call, 1-800-438-0387. With that, let's get back to Jeff, and it's all yours, Jeff. Thank you, David. All right, folks, welcome back. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas. All right, so we're going to finish this concept up this week. Uh, we got about 13 and a half minutes or so to do it. All right, so we're talking about the first surveyor concept, Rivers versus Lazio. What happened in the case is um, uh, the, the, the GLO came out, laid out the typical section, set the section corners and the quarter section corners. Uh, all of the other, uh, the, the other tw- 17 corners are protracted on a map. They're just drawn on a map. The 16 lots or lot lines are drawn on a map, uh, but they exist in legal contemplation. Okay, so now uh, a local landowner, uh, a local surveyor came in uh, sometime prior to the action in the case, I guess in the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, broke the section down to a certain extent. We don't really know how much, but broke the section down because um, somebody bought uh, a 40-acre track or something close to it, and so the surveyor did what the surveyors are supposed to do. Went out there and um, and uh, had to had to break the section down to a certain extent, and, and did that. Uh, people moved in. Uh, uh, the, the guy who bought the 40 uh, started selling off his property. Hired the same surveyor to come in and uh, to subdivide his property even further. So. That all of that takes place. Uh, properties are getting uh, bought and sold, and getting it, the, it coming down to uh, even smaller tracks. And then, in its infinite wisdom, the federal government. We know that the federal government is is wise and kind. Uh, they sent the 
Bureau of Land Management in there because there was uh, some Forest Service land, United States Forest Service land, uh, somewhere in the section. We're not even really told. So what does the Bureau of Land Management do? Well, the Bureau of Land Management uh, then breaks the section down all over again, even though it had already been broken down. So they broke the section down all over again, and they put brand new. They see they're the, they're deed stakers, and they're all in on this first surveyor concept. Um, uh, so they broke the section down, and they moved this. They moved these sixteenth uh, lines around. They're called when you break it down to uh, a quarter of a quarter. Those are called sixteenth lines. They moved the sixteenth lines around. And, and now they, they pushed it down into this property that had been uh, previously subdivided by a local surveyor uh, to the tune of about 30 feet. And then, of course, what ha- well, of course, that's <clears throat> the dam breaks at that point in time. And uh, everybody goes to court, really for no good reason. You're going to see why there was no good reason whatsoever. Um, so they, um, they go to court, uh, and this, this is in the, uh, the local surveyor. Uh, was deemed to have been just a first surveyor because he didn't break the section down correctly. Okay? He didn't break the section down correctly. Uh, so, and, and I know I'm talking to a lot of people who don't uh, live and operate in the public land survey system, but we, we got we got 30 states that were carved out of the, the public domain and are subject to the public land survey system. So this then this whole first surveyor concept goes beyond the public land survey system. It goes to any subdivision. It goes to any situation where uh, where you want to deem uh, the, the existing monuments on the ground were just put in by a first surveyor. Therefore, uh, these monuments are always subject to collateral attack, and I can just uh, <clears throat> and I can just uh, put in new monuments wherever I want to put them in. So, in other words, see, we've created a third role, a, mytho- a mythological third role for the land surveyor. You can either be an original surveyor or you're a tracing surveyor, or you're following just a, 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 a simply a first surveyor, and that guy's a bum, can be kicked out. We can set new monuments in new places where they've never existed before. It provides cover for aberrant practice. That's why this concept is so dangerous. That's why <clears throat> surveyors need to understand what's going on here and landowners. Okay, uh, it's repugnant to the two to the two fundamental principles of surveying in all of American jurisprudence, except for this one lone case. In all of American jurisprudence, there's only two roles of the land surveyor until this aberrant uh, concept gets developed. And but surveyors love it. Because hey, I could just I can th- I can throw them out. I can throw those monuments out. I can just do my deed staking. <laughs> Surveying simple. Surveying simple. It's a math problem. Uh, <clears throat> the Bureau of Land Management, like the IRS, is the uh, official interpreter of uh, land laws of the United States government. The IRS is the official interpreter of the tax code of the United States of America. It's, it's, a, it's the agency in charge of that interpretation. The Bureau of Land Management is the uh, agency in charge of the land laws of the United States of America. So we're going to go to the we're going to go to the manual, and we're going to wrap it up this time. Uh, we're going to go to the manual uh, and see what the BLM's official interpretation of this whole situation is. Okay. Um, 
And we're talking about the 2009 manual, although on these slides I'm referencing both the 1973 manual and the 2009 manual. And we're going to be in chapter, section 6, chapter 6 uh, of the manual. I'm just going to read through this. By law, the corners marked in the public land survey shall be established as the proper corners of the sections or the subdivisions of the sections. Now notice the General Land Office which uh, lasted until about 1939 or so, and then the Bureau of Land Management hired permanent employees. The Bureau of Land Management was created. So uh, a lot of these early surveys were done by the General Land Office, which its successor uh, became the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, the General Land Office was con contract surveyors. The Bureau of Land Management has permanent govern government employees. Uh, <coughs> And, but the GLO never set the subdivision corners. They only set the ex, the eight exterior corners. There's 17 corners that, that constitute the subdivision of the sections. So keep that in mind. Surveyors shall be uh, the survey shall be established as the proper corners of the sections um, and subdivisions of the sections which are they were intended to designate. And two. The boundary lines actually run and marked shall be and remain the proper lines of the sections or the subdivisions for which they were intended. And the links of those lines as returned shall be held as true links there. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in 2009 manual section 3-4. So once they're put on the ground, they're basically infallible. That's what they're saying in 3-4. I'm still in 3-4. The original corners must stand as the true corners they were intended to represent, even though not exactly where professional care would have placed them in the first instance. All right, now I'm at uh, section 3-131 through 3-136 of the 2009 manual. The local, this is the intent, the original intent of the federal government, the original developer of the sections townships and ranges as to how these other subdivision corners would get set. The local surveyor is employed as an expert to identify lands which have passed into private ownership. This may be a simple or most complex problem, depending largely upon the condition of the original monuments as affected principally by the lapse of time since the execution of the original survey. The work usually includes the subdivision of the section into the fractional parts shown upon the approved plat. In this capacity, the local surveyor is performing a function contemplated by law. When the locals, according to the Bureau of Land Management, the official interpreter of uh, United States property law, the local surveyor is the original surveyor when it comes to the subdivision of the sections. He cannot properly serve his client or the public unless he is familiar with the legal requirements concerning the subdivision of sections. The Bureau, uh, I'm still in section uh, 3-131 through 136. The Bureau of Land Management assumes no control or direction over the acts of local or county surveyors in the matters of subdivision of sections and reestablishment of lost corners of original surveyors, surveys where the lands have passed into private ownership, nor will it issue any instructions. The, the, the federal once the federal government left left the field and patents were issued, the federal government and the manual of surveying instructions have no effect, have no influence, have no authority whatsoever. 
Title 43 U.S.C. 752 and 753, United States Code, contain the fundamental provisions for the subdivision sections into quarter sections and quarter-quarter sections. Sections are not subdivided in the field by the Bureau of Land Management unless provisions are made and specific instructions to do so. But certain subdivision section lines are protracted on the plat. That's what we've been talking about. All the lines are protracted on the plat. In the public land survey survey system, a corner is fixed. Now listen to this. A corner is fixed in position by operational law. The corners marked in the official surveys followed by use are fixed in position by the monuments. Those are the eight corners around the perimeter of a section. Only a small portion of corners are marked on the ground in the original surveys. Eight out of eight out of twenty-five subdivision of section corners are not generally marked. Listen, their positions are fixed on the plat by protraction. Their positions are fixed on the ground by the survey process of running and marking the line between the marked corners, setting the monuments. That's what the original surveyor, the original surveyor in Rivers versus Lazio, was a local surveyor hired to come out there and break the section down. And he did it. Still, 3-137. A decision to set aside a previously fixed local survey, legal subdivision corners. This is exactly what happened in Rivers versus Lazio. There was a decision to set aside the previously fixed local legal subdivision corners must be supported by evidence that goes beyond mere demonstration of technical error, reasonable discrepancies between former and new measurements, and less than strict adherence to restoration of subdivision rules. The position of attractive land described by legal subdivision are absolutely fixed by the original corners and other evidence of the original corner. Under fundamental law, the corners of the original survey are un changeable. Yet Rivers versus Lossio in complete defiance of federal of the of the official interpretation of federal land law completely violated the property rights of everyone involved in that case. Are there bad court decisions out there? Oh yeah. Yeah, and this is probably the worst. 3-137. Were the federal government obliged obliged to open the question as to the location of a particular track or track? Okay, Jeff, that's it. Differences? Okay, sorry. All right, folks. Uh, we'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.